It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, we continue our player review series with a look at the season that was for Precious Achua, the return of the Kyle Lowry trade who underwent maybe a more meteoric rise than any member of the Toronto Raptors this season. We'll dig into our biggest positive takeaways from the year, the stuff that needs work going into 2022-23, and then we've got our stat of the year, play of the year, and the outlook for next season, all with a wonderful guest, Samson Folk, who loves himself some Precious Achua. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked done Raptors thanks for being here oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot trying to miss you are locked on Raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1177 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, May the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can support the show by subscribing, leaving a rating or a review, telling a friend, all that good stuff. We are also on YouTube for free. You can go and subscribe. Just sign on up and help juice the stats, baby, even if you're not going to watch the videos every day i just ask that you subscribe and then maybe have it run in the background on mute that's also very helpful increases our watch time numbers and all that good stuff anyway we can fiddle with the numbers to make me look good is a thing i very much appreciate anyway thanks for making us your first listen of the day and on today's show we are talking about precious achua and the season that was he was really fun to watch as roller coaster a player as i can remember watching but by the end of the season the downturns of the roller coaster i guess like it's weird because going down the roller coaster is fun, yet in hockey, in basketball parlance, that's like the bad stuff. I don't know. We'll sort through it with today's guest. It's Samson Folk from Raptors Republic. How are you? What kind of roller coaster would you classify Precious Achua as? Okay, I am. I'm a coward in many things in life, and I will say, <laughs> roller coasters, the rides, all that kind of stuff, they were mm-hmm. not my thing at any point. Fair enough. So. If it were a roller coaster, I would consider it bad because I just I want mm. something simple. Like, you know, you right. spin the wheel in the middle and you kind of rotate around whatever it is, sure. something like that, a little bit more low key. But precious, if we could find a like another, you know, analogy that it just works <laughs> really great. I enjoyed a season, the hell out of it. 
and mm -hmm. uh, the horns in your intro music. I'm a sucker for horns, so I enjoyed that a bunch too. <laughs> I'm very glad that you're happy with both the subject matter and the production of the podcast. That means we're off to a good start. So yeah, we're going to dig into everything from Precious' season. We're going to talk about our biggest positive takeaways. We'll get into the negative side of things, the downturns of said roller coaster to figure out what can be improved upon for next year. And then we have our stat of the year, play of the year, both of which are under a veil of secrecy and will be revealed in the final segment of the show and then the outlook for 2022-23. But let's begin, Samson, with your biggest positive takeaway about Pas not Pascal Siakam. That was Monday's show. Go listen to it with Vivek. Uh, Precious Achua, what was your biggest... Precious Achua takeaway in the positive vein uh, from this season. It has to be the defense. And yeah. this was something I clued into kind of, I think it was towards the back end of November. I started talking about it. Like you're looking at a guy precious who you see, he makes a lot of mistakes on the floor, but the numbers are starting. You're starting to get a healthier sample size and some things are really starting to pop off. Like a lot of his contests, his first contest, he'd force a miss. His second contest, he'd force a miss. He was His timing on uh, the help side stuff was getting a lot better. And then every once in a while, you'd get like a, an isolation possession. And that really started in January where the Raptors, I think emboldened by his performance against Giannis on January 15th, I think. Most mm -hmm. Raptors fans will remember that game. He was picking him up three-quarter court, making it really tough for him to get into the paint and just finding a lot of success. Then it became Luca. Then it became Jimmy. Then it became Trey on switches. Then it was LeBron. Then it was Embiid. It was a murderer's row of talent and and brute physicality that he stood in front of. Mm -hmm. His defense. Not only was he one of the best shot changers on the Raptors, but he was one of the best switch defenders. He was far and away, I think, their best low pick and roll defender, whether it was in drop or or switch or blitz or anything like that. And while he wasn't the headiest of weak side defenders to kind of close these gaps and shade the, shade to the corner and, you know, maybe the dig downs and the doubles weren't as effective. But as a primary guy, when he's involved in the action, he just shuts down so many things. And so to go from Miami, where before the season I was looking at it and he still had positive numbers in changing shots at the rim, he still had positive defensive numbers, but it was on such a small sample size that you had to wonder, What's going to carry over and what does that look like in the Raptors hellacious scheme? And the best part is that everything that was positive about Precious carried over. And yeah. then he kind of papered over some of the bad things, too. So just a demonstratively fantastic uh, defender who I've been saying for some time now, like he's going to be on all defensive teams for how many years? I don't know, but he's going to be there. He's awesome. It's a loaded category, but yeah. where would you classify him among Toronto Raptors defenders right now? Like, is he the best defender on the team? Like, or is that still maybe a couple years off? Yeah, probably, probably not. Mm -hmm. In spurts, I would say yes. Uh, but yeah. Pascal is playing 40 minutes a night and has been since <laughs> November 28th. Or sorry, yeah. December 28th <laughs> when he got back from COVID. 40 yeah. minutes a game. You have to be on the court. Precious, even in the playoffs, Precious only, I think, eclipsed 30 minutes two times or one time. And so you have to be on the court. It's like the the Thibault thing where Raptors yeah. fans are like, why the hell is this guy on all defense? He played 19 minutes a game. Uh, Precious playing 26 minutes a game was a huge win. I can't wait to see him playing 28 or 30 next year. And mm -hmm. uh, But in spurts, he's absolutely the best. He can be the best defender on the Raptors by like a wide stretch. His... His peaks 
are so high you you really can't see them they're covered in clouds right but it's probably <laughs> for a portion of the season it might have been fred and because og yeah. was dealing with stuff early on and then for a portion of the season it may have been og and then for a portion of the season it may have been pascal and uh precious in spurts beats out those guys but yeah i'm just kind of being very verbose yes it's sometimes but not all the time Hey, that's fine. We're not here for hot takes, man. We're here for that nuance, baby. It's a nice thing. Like, oh, no, my arms are overflowing with all of these fantastic defenders. It's difficult to classify them all in uh, in a nice, you know, easy order. Because, you know, different contexts, different situations, it all calls for different stuff. But, yeah, I think the, the highs of Precious are, like, the most jaw-drop-inducing. Like, it's like, oh, okay, guess he's doing that now. Uh, sure. Uh, for me, I think my biggest positive takeaway from Precious, and this is like a pretty big picture thing when it comes to the overall sort of vision for the team, is like, I think he proved this season that if this Vision 6-9 thing is going to work, he is kind of the one who unlocks it as the center of whatever the team goes is going forward, right? Like, I know there's a need for center skills, and yes, some size would be nice in certain matchups or whatever, but... I feel like Precious kind of has it within him to do the things that you need centers to do, which is dive to the rim, be a vertical threat. He can pop for threes. Uh, you know, obviously the rim protection numbers are fantastic. And to me, like he kind of checked a lot of those boxes that they didn't really have checked in the early part of the season when they were trying to figure out their center rotation. Ken Birch wasn't doing all of it. Chris Boucher is too slight, I think, for that position. But Precious at his size, despite being shorter in stature, is just like he feels a lot bigger because of his athleticism because his arms go for days and because of the things he got good at this year in addition to all the other stuff which you know the, the putting the ball on the deck and stuff like that that's not typical center stuff that is very much vision six nine raptors stuff um I, I think if this is going to work and if the raptors go forward you know t totally bought in on everyone just being six nine and playing that way it works because precious achua is doing the stuff that he flashed this season in sort of a bigger more sort of large-scale role um you know it, what did you make of the way Precious did the center stuff this season? You know, we can talk about all the flashy things and we'll probably get into it in the play of the year, stat of the year and stuff like that. But as far as just like being that sort of central dude who you just kind of need to do the dirty things and, you know, that they didn't have necessarily last season, for example, and didn't have for long stretches of this year. Do you think Precious performed capably in that stuff? Do you think there are areas where he's just never going to be able to offer all the same features that a typically size center would offer? Where are you at with that? I think he did a hell of a job given the constraints. I think we're seeing in the Milwaukee-Boston series, you're seeing the very, well, and Raptors fans are well aware of the positive, passive wins that a huge guy in the middle of the court presents. It's mm -hmm. uh, having Marcus Gasol, who is not nearly the athlete that Precious Achua is, having Marcus Gasol for a couple of years, change passing angles for lobs, change you know shooting angles for floaters and just be such a deterrent because of size and being flat-footed so he doesn't have mm -hmm. to commit to anything um precious Achua can't really do that because he doesn't he's not as big and so he'll never have that brooke lopez marcus all type of thing where you can put him in low drop and funnel guys into 14 to 19 footers kind of like where pascal siakam had to play against the 76ers for example sure. he'll never have that the the classic drop center thing but in high drop, he was really great at containing penetration, recovering back, relying on his athleticism. That's something he can do in spurts, and the Raptors can have a lot of success with. That's kind of classic. That's classical, uh, 
I guess, center defense. He probably can't do it all season because it's such a taxing style to just always sure. chase back and forth. But I thought he was awesome. He's correlated, you know, in the stats, in the on-off stuff with, and his, you know, his rebounding percentages are great. I think that he was a huge part of helping the Raptors close up their defensive possessions. Offensively is probably where he gives you like nothing that a center does basically. But defensively, as you said, I think you, you know, it was really great the way you put it together that he makes it go because he makes the rim protection a little bit more valid. He makes the point of attack defense on these big brute players more valid and uh you know his strength in there his strength is everything we you know like og ananobi is an incredible uh defender but he's also you can see like coordination and fluidity isn't always exactly his best thing sure. and precious situa and a guy like terrence ban or hamadou diallo these athletes are guys who if you ask them like in a parkour gym to do like can you do this they have the strength and fluidity to kind of move through all these kind of things. Kinetic savants, right? Sure. And sure. Precious, his ability to be fluid, quick, and way stronger than Pascal is, for example. And as strong as OG is, for example, while maintaining the fluidity. That's that's a really, he's a, such a rare defender. I don't think there's another guy like him in the league. And mm -hmm. yeah, so he gives you a lot of the the positive center stuff without the the classical drop stuff. So yeah. Good. Sure. Um, yeah, the defense is, I, I think, really the sort of overwhelming positive thing you're thinking about going forward to next season. The offense, however, did make some positive strides in the back part of the season. We'll dig into the good and the bad of the Precious Achua offensive experience in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who are the number one place for you to get all of your sports betting needs and info taken care of so you can be the informed wagerer if you are going to drop some money on the upcoming, you know, the, the, the basketball games you got the hockey playoffs going on. You've got NFL futures already available. It's all there. You can find all the news, info, injury reports, and sports developments that you might need to make that informed wager all at betonline.net. They are your continued source for all of the sports wagering you might want to do. You get live betting. You've got esports. You've got the futures market like I talked about. And you got Vegas casino games and everything else in between. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action at BetOnline. It is where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We continue on here with uh, our chat about Precious Achua with Samson Folk from Raptors Republic. And uh, let's get into the stuff that needs some work going into next season. Probably 
safe to begin with the offensive side of the ball here. Precious, of course, started off extremely rough, where uh, the most inefficient play the Raptors could run was an offensive rebound and falling into the clutches of Precious Achua underneath the basket, where like it felt like 90% of the time he was either bricking it or getting it slapped away as he brought it down to the floor. That stuff cleaned up as the season went along. A lot of the sort of overzealous, over-eager you know, possessions where he'd just kind of kick it away or, or piss a bad shot selection away or whatever it might have been, that got fewer and further between as the season went along. Of course, there were still those little elements. We wouldn't love Precious to chew if they weren't part of that. But uh, what were your impressions of the offensive side of things for Precious this season? And what do you think kind of needs the most work going into next year? High-hanging fruit only. Mm. No low-hanging fruit for our friend Precious Achua. And when he started to pick some of the low-hanging fruit towards the end of the season, like mm-hmm. hitting corner threes or just catching a lob, instead of having it slip out of his hands, that's when everything started to come together because, you know, we we started with defense for a reason. He was mm-hmm. a great defender. The Raptors' defense was way better with him on the floor. Other teams shot way worse with him on the floor, and he was awesome. Offensively, he tanked their offense all the time when he was on the court, and that's really too bad because the Raptors were kind of doing this, you know, this song and dance where Kem would start a game because he wouldn't take the offense and they could get him into the short roll and Kem would hit a floater or filter to the corner or something like that. Give you the classic, like, get a screen, get a guy to a spot, all that kind of stuff. And Precious, his spatial awareness or want to do that kind of stuff, the classical big man stuff on offense, set the screen, roll into space, you know, make sure that your spacing is proper to preserve driving lanes, all that kind of stuff. That wasn't really, I guess, represented in his game. And if it was, it was a low light. It was something where he's rolling into Pascal's driving lane, bringing Mm -hmm. a second defender over and his own body. And he got better at that stuff, but not because he got better at it, but just because he started shooting three-pointers better, so they didn't have to ask him to do that stuff very often. He didn't have to yeah. roll very often, so he didn't muck stuff up. And so he became a guy. The Raptors this season were very, very hesitant to use anybody besides Gary, OG, or Fred spacing above the break. Typically, yeah. part of their you know offensive ethos is you're going to be below the free-throw line. You're going to get after it on the offensive glass because – We want offensive rebounds way more than we want a Thaddeus Young above the break triple or a a Pascal Siakam above the break triple, a Precious above the break triple. But that changed. After the All-Star break, he hit threes. His offensive process got simplified because he started to play more like a a guard or a wing. He -hmm. was a guy who would hit catch-and-shoot threes, would space out, would attack closeouts. And as we know, he looked fantastic attacking closeouts. He was fluid. He was great finishing at the rim. And so... That was awesome to see, but there's still so much left on the table as far as what he can do as a big man. This is something Mm -hmm. we saw even Pascal Siakam this past season kind of get better at with the screening because he had to unlock Fred more often and they had to lead more on their two-man game to win. And putting down good screens is really important. Precious is not there yet. And uh, so there's lots going on on offense. The guard slash wing stuff, it's fair to say he's way ahead of the curve as far as a lot of other bigs the the series against the 76ers as bad as he was in game seven or -hmm. sorry game six where he shot one for seven was pretty poor in decision making he helped swing the middle of the series because he was able to take Embiid off the dribble and easily and if Embiid was in space that was food 
That is a rare feat. That's something yeah. that even Pascal struggles with, for example. Although Pascal has more defenders hanging over and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you this, it's, uh, it's a very unique, a cosmic gumbo, if you will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would, say, I would say that's like where I leave off as far as my opening statement on, on Precious' offense. A, a cosmic gumbo. Yeah, it's, you know, it was very notable by the end of the year. Like the fact that a couple of those blowbys of Embiid took place because he was very clearly worried about Precious bombing a three on his head. Like it started to matter, you know, after the All-Star break, which is kind of like the very easy arbitrary cutoff for a lot of things with the Raptors season with Fred going down and the team shape kind of changing. Uh, Precious shot 39% on nearly four attempts a game. Like that's not nothing. Uh, It's in fact quite something. And, you know, that I think as sort of a sort of a baseline for his game leaves it so even if the other offensive stuff doesn't all the way come you know obviously that'll limit his overall ceiling but it makes it so he's going to be a guy you can have on the floor and feel pretty comfortable about it as long as you can find someone else to do the the center stuff that you're looking for and it'd be great if he could do that right I mean I I don't think I've ever seen a worse screener than like November Precious Achua just like never hit a dude ever Fred's just like please man I need a little bit of space here I'll figure it out because I'm Fred Van Vliet in November and I'm just hitting everything but like please God, just a little bit of room off of the screen would be fantastic. And it just wasn't coming from Precious. And I remember the lob chemistry between Fred and Precious was a nightmare early on, early on too, right? And that's something that slowly got better as the season went along. It wasn't a very common thing they would go to, but it stopped being, well, this passes nine feet over Precious's head or Precious is not in the right spot, not jumping at the right time to, oh, okay, they can connect on that pretty reliably. Hopefully that's something that can carry over as well and you can get that vertical gravity going too because they've never really had that kind of vertical threat, you know, at least as long as I've been covering the team. It's just not really a thing that's been a thing that the Raptors do. Um, so there's that. Bebe. The thing I'm... What was that? Bebe, right. Nagera. Oh, Bebe. That's, it's you're, been you're years. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even he what a was guy. kind of like a, a bit role player. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, so my... I, I guess my question for you is how real do you think the shooting is? It's... You know, it looked good. The shot looks nice. When it goes in, it very rarely hits rim at all. (laughs) It's very pure. Um, But, like, the shooting numbers across the board, not terribly inspiring. Even with him, you know, kind of getting hot in the back part of the season, still finished with just a 50.3 true shooting, could not salvage that brutal start. And from the free throw line, this is, I think, the thing that gives me a little bit of concern because... What do you hear all the time in draft coverage and leading into the draft is that, you know, free throw rate and, you know, your accuracy there often can inform what your three-point stroke is going to look like. It's not a perfect one-to-one. It doesn't always happen that way, but that is one of the sort of agreed-upon truths when it comes to projecting three-point shooting. He shot 59.5% from the line in the regular season. In the playoffs, he was 60%. Of course, had those two notable misses in game number three against the Sixers, which everyone, I'm sure, will uh, remember for quite a while. Um you know, are you at all concerned about the sort of rest of his shooting profile not really agreeing with the idea that he's a good shooter? Do you think that's stuff that can come because of the touch he seems to have? Um, where are you at with the sort of likelihood that Precious can carry forward this three-point shooting he showed in the back part of the season? Yeah, 39% at four a game. Maybe the four a game kind of kicks around. It stays there heading into next season. I'm mm-hmm. sure the Raptors would like that. You know, the Raptors like when guys shoot threes because they have three guys on their team who shoot them, so a little <laughs> more helps. But I I feel pretty good about his three-point shot. I obviously there are 
you know, you can get into the the Galvis dip and all the kind of stuff. Like you can get into shot doctors and all that kind of stuff. But uh, his shot looks pretty smooth. There's no hitch. He has a high release. You know, there's nice spin on the ball. That's as deep into it as I'll go. Mm-hmm. And we well, and also like for fans and you know people who watch, when you watch him pull up, it looks better than a lot of other people pulling up on the Raptors who are yeah. better stationary three point shooters. There's a we, we talked about his fluidity already, and free throw, just because of how the three point land is changing and how guys get shots is changing. I, and and how much more dynamic you have to be to shoot threes because it's no longer like 2010 Shane Battier isn't standing in the corner after, you know, LeBron James has shown everybody like this is what a skip pass does to a defense when it comes like 18 times a game. It just breaks them. Teams are pre-rotating. They run guys off the line now. So that fluidity, I think, helps with his catch and shoot. Like a lot of his sh- his shots were like pound dribble sidestep into space or like, you know, little drop dribble, gather, hit a shot and all that kind of stuff. So the the collinearity between the free throw percentage and three point, I'm not as sold on as I may have been prior because it's the stationary aspect of it. I just don't find is is that uh, similar anymore. Just the way that teams run guys off the line mm-hmm. and precious. I don't know of any predictive shooting stats like in baseball. There's wonderful predictive stats because it's a discrete sport, but in basketball, sure. I'm not really sure if there's a stat I buy into. And of course, as you say, we're trying to find like these peripheral stats that indicate some sort of ceiling or floor. But I, I feel perfectly fine with Precious shooting, you know, threes, not to maybe his heart's desire next year. But if he gets the ball, if he's open, I, I like it a lot. So I, I feel confident about it to come in at like 34, 35 percent. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything above that, that's gravy, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, you don't want to sort of just assume he's going to be a knockdown shooter of the ilk of Trent or OG or Fred like he was in the back part of the season. That feels like a little bit of an unfair set of expectations for a dude who is still very raw and and figuring things out. But yeah, I think I'm comforted by the fact that I feel like most of his threes are going to be very wide open. You know, like a lot of it's going to come off of Pascal's creation or Fred's creation or Scotty's creation. Like he's not going to have to go and create his own threes out of thin air all that often. And if he does have that really explosive first step off the catch, like that makes it even more of a sort of calculation for the defense as to what the hell do we do about this guy? Um, So yeah, I think where I'll come in as sort of my prediction, my expectation, my hope maybe, because I don't have any prediction, you know, like you said, there's no predictive stats, but like if he can be the guy who the other team actually has to worry about shooting, that's not something the Raptors have a ton of, right? And just having another guy like that, even if it's not at 39%, will be super, super valuable and, uh, you know, a, a great thing to sort of hopefully bank on next season. Um, we're going to continue on. We're going to do our stat of the year, our play of the year, and our outlook for 2022-23 for Precious Achua. That's coming up in one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money when you go to the mechanic. And I made this mistake last week. I was kind of in a panic. I went to take my car in to get my tires changed over, and they said I needed to get something fixed in my car. And I, like a fool, said, all right, just go ahead and do it. Instead of just taking my car back, going to get the part myself and figuring it out, I just paid whatever they asked me to pay for the like the driving belt or whatever it's called. I know nothing about cars, you might realize. And so... I spent more money than I should have at the mechanic last week, and that's because I did not think, I did not go to rockauto.com. I panicked. Don't be like me. Go to Rock Auto. Get 
cheaper parts and get more selection of the parts that you get to put in your car. They'll give you multiple different options, prices, specifications, different brands you can choose from as opposed to just the one thing the mechanic happens to have in the store. And they are a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years and they are the same cost-wise when it comes to professionals or do-it-yourselfers. And their website is so easy to use that I can navigate it. And again, I should have done that last week and taken my own advice that I've been spewing on this podcast for years. Either way, go to rockauto.com right now. Don't be like me. See all the, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box and know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here to close out the show with the way we do all of these player review episodes and tie a nice little bow on them. We are starting with the stat of the year. We've got the play of the year. we got the outlook for 2022-23. Let's begin, shall we, with the stat of the year from you, Samson, about Precious Achua. What you got? 33% unassisted, which is the 75th percentile for bigs. Uh, we, we've been talking about it this whole podcast, basically, mm-hmm. but... Uh, that improvisational bent that he does, that he has, it, we, and you know, as you're saying, wide open threes, Precious Achua is in an offensive context where if the ball gets to him, defenses are very ill-equipped to deal with his guard skills, his ability mm-hmm. to put the ball on the floor. Because if it gets to him, they either are going to allow that open three or they're loading up on other guys, typically, if he's sharing the floor, especially with Pascal and Fred, that they can't really rotate over. And as we saw against the 76ers, he puts one dribble down, he gathers, he's going to dunk the hell out of the ball. And and we saw, it, you know, he I don't know if he has something going on with Onyeke Kongu, but he dunked on him like three <laughs> times this year against the Hawks too. <laughs> Nasty ones at that. But I think uh, his ability to put the ball on the floor, while, you know, maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about what he's doing next year, of course, but that's what makes him unique. And that's represented in... A stat that's maybe fetishized a little bit too much now, the unassisted percentage, but one that I like. Uh, 33% unassisted is pretty damn good for a, I guess, second-year big. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I'm going on the defensive side of things here, and I am not using a number necessarily. I'll get to the numbers in a sec, but my stat of the year for Precious Achua, much like your beautiful WNBA sweater, is orange, baby. If you are a uh, subscriber to cleaningtheglass.com, you will know that they have the little percentile where a guy ranks, and if it's a very good percentile, it is a deep hue of orange. And I have pulled up Prestichua's on-off defensive stats, the way he impacts the other team's shooting accuracy, to be precise, when he is on the floor. Uh, The opposing team saw an effective field goal percentage of... uh, uh, Sorry, saw their effective field goal percentage dip by 
zero three point two. Oh my god, three point two percentage points. The ninety second percentile in the NBA when he was on the floor this season. At the rim, he's eighty seventh percentile. Short mid range, sixty four percentile. Long mid, six seventy six percentile. All mid range, seventy fifth percentile. Corner threes, eighty third percentile. The only area in which the other team shot. Uh, not embarrassingly bad compared to their usual numbers when Precious was on the floor was from non-corner threes and they still shot 0.4 percentage points worse 53rd percentile 77th percentile for all threes uh, Precious Achua when he was on the floor made the other team miss more shots uh, Samson it's basically as simple as that uh, he just was a constant positive impact for the Raptors defense when he was out there and I am excited to see how he continues to kind of level up in that department um, you know rim protection stuff it's not easy when you're six foot nine six foot eight whatever the hell size he is but he managed to pull it off with the best of them orange is your stat of the year for precious achua baby we're turning it on its head um let's get to the play of the year shall we our favorite precious plays of the year i will turn it to you samson what do you got okay so this one it was after pascal siakam doubled joel and b this is a playoff so it's okay if i do a playoff play does yeah, go nuts. Yeah, sure. recency bias is fine. My favorite play of the whole year was the back-to-back Scotty lobs in game five. So, uh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so Pascal doubles on the catch. Embiid turns the ball over. Pascal gets the, uh, the outlet and then in transition drops it off to Precious. And the reason why I thought this was so special is because Embiid got back in transition and Embiid is this... You know, he's one of the best defenders in the world. In the playoffs, many people make the case that he's maybe the most affecting defender in the NBA. He's awesome. And Precious went up against him. And we talked about a fluidity in this podcast, but you'll you'll recognize OG Ananobi when he kills people when he drives because he plunges his knee eight feet into their, like, chest. Yeah, and breaking sternums all over the place. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Precious... Took, that's because that's what you do when you jump your knee juts out but yeah. a lot of guys you know depending on your core strength your body control and all that kind of stuff you can draw that back in and precious went up for a dunk and so the knee jutted out and Embiid was waiting there and Embiid is contesting and precious he slides that knee back under himself and then starts extending out and his body starts turning in air and he finished over Embiid with the left hand and I was like that's a really, really unique thing to be able to do. That's so much body control, so much fluidity. And hopefully the touch stays because, as we talked about, the touch was poverty at the start of yeah. the year, like in, in shambles. So to be able to do that kind of stuff, not only the, the physical fluidity, but the soft touch to finish at the rim, like uh, Russell Westbrook used to have to decelerate your arm because you're going at these like breakneck paces. Mm-hmm. That's what Precious did. All that encompassed in one play, just the, the high... And then the finish out, it was, yeah, I loved that play. It was like uh, poetry in motion. That's fantastic. Uh, Mine is also, it's kind of a mirror play. I have two plays that kind of inform one another, both also against the Philadelphia 76ers, who I'm sure never want to see Precious Achua again. (laughs) Uh, I'll go back. The first one came uh, October 4th, 2021, during the preseason. Raptors, Sixers taking each other on. I'm looking at a video posted by recent guest of this podcast, Jackson Frank, where he took a clip of Precious Achua walking up all the way and pulling and stopping and popping for an 18-foot pull-up mid-ranger. Very in the early days of uh, kind of us learning what Precious Achua is all about. 
Fast forward that to the final week of the season, Raptors, Sixers, the Raptors beat the Sixers at home, pressures Achua out of nowhere, grabs a rebound, walks it up, stops and pops for a pull-up three-inch transition at the top of the arc, and cash. It was glorious. It was, uh, like, totally cackle-inducing while I was sitting on my couch. One of my favorite types of plays that just kind of makes me uncontrollably lose my shit. Uh, Just, look, is that informative of, like, What's coming in the future for Precious Achua? Not necessarily, but I do think it's indicative of the insane highs that he's capable of, and he can string those together more often next year, year beyond that, whatever it might be. You're looking at a pretty problematic player for the rest of the NBA. So I will go pull up Precious as my mirror plays of the year, and I'm sorry to the Sixers for all of the strays they're catching in this se- in this section here. Um Let's get now to the look at 2022-23, Samson. Do you have any hopes, dreams, ambitions for Precious? What are you kind of expecting, A, his role to be next year, and B, sort of his production? Is he going to win an award? You know, or is he going to be in the all-defense conversation? What do you got for 2022-23 Precious in terms of early expectations as we sit here on May the 12th? Okay, so low-hanging fruit. Um, please, for the love of God, watch DeAndre Ayton work as a screener and rolling into space. Basically, DeAndre Ayton's job on the Phoenix Suns is to always swivel his hips and be accessible for a pass because he can come from anywhere. And typically working with Chris Paul, that's the case. I think Precious, as he continues to work with Pascal, who always creates open looks, always trying to find the soft spots is important because Pascal gets doubled. And next year, I'm sure we'll get doubled at like a top five rate in the league. Make sure you find the soft spots. It's hard, but it's something you have to work on. All bigs have Mm -hmm. to do it. And into the future, just being always ready for whatever the hell kind of half-court playmaker Scotty is by year five or something, (laughs) just be ready like to leap for the ball at the rim, (laughs) to get like a bounce pass, whatever it is. Just that that spatial awareness, the proprioception, right? You know, your awareness of your body in space. I just, that kind of stuff I'd like him to work on, set good screens. That would be huge. That, That unlocks so much for the Raptors. And I hope he starts. That would be great. Uh, my wish for next year is that the Raptors re-sign Boucher because Boucher was tremendous and he'll continue to be tremendous, I think, especially in this scheme, uh, offensively and defensively. I hope that they start Precious. I hope that they stagger his minutes so he gets to play a lot with Boucher still. And yeah. I hope they they lean into those funky lineups, and but with Fred still on the team, of course. And yeah. uh, I think all defense next year. I, I think he's there, man. I think he's going to do it. Uh, do I have stats in mind? I don't think I have stats in mind. I think he's just yeah, going to be a super, yeah. a super <clears throat> positive player and uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting on on defense still. Um, if he's a positive on offense, like in the on-offs, that's a huge win. Just yeah. as like the the macro look. The micro, yeah, the just being way better in the screen and roll game because it means you get to run more actions with Pascal and all that kind of stuff and, and Fred and, and Scotty, so... It, it makes it more useful. And then just don't lose anything about yourself, Precious. You're precious, <laughs> brother. Like, like, do your thing. Yeah, I, I like all of that. I don't know if I'll go quite as far to say he'll be on all defense, mostly because I try to view these through the eyes of, like, who's voting on it as opposed to what should actually happen. So I'll say we'll be aggrieved that he didn't make all defense is what I'll predict for next season. That's um, where I It'll be now. a very justified, aggrieved feeling, but I, I think that's kind of where I, he's going to slot in for next year. Um, I would say, yeah, I'm also with you. I'm fully on the board of start him, move Gary Trent to be the sixth man he's born to be, and just roll out Fred, OG, Siakam, Barnes, and Precious, and allow 
84 points per 100 possessions uh, in those minutes, thereabouts. Um, like, I think that has the potential to be like a super special defensive lineup. And with the way Precious works a little bit better as just like a guy who doesn't need the ball all the time, the same way Gary Trent Jr. is most effective when the ball's in his hands. He's a good spacer. He's valuable for that, of course, but he sometimes commandeers things a little bit too much. I wonder if maybe just kind of mixing up that dynamic a bit sort of just makes it so it's less of, wow, there's so many mouths to feed in this offense, like we kind of saw with the small ball look this year. Um, I think that kind of bled into what the issues were there. I think Precious just kind of as a spacer, if he can be a 36 or better three-point shooter like we talked about, or 35, whatever it might be. I think that sort of addresses some of the spacing issues you might have if you make that lineup change. Obviously, you got to hope for Precious and Pascal, to, sorry, Scotty and Pascal to kind of tick up a little bit too, just to offer a little bit more shooting. But my grand vision for this team is Scotty and Pascal are the dueling heads of the snake. Everyone else is orbiting around, catching threes off of their gravity and, and the way they're leveraging defenses. And I think Precious can fit into that quite nicely. Um, so, and yeah, also please learn to screen. That would be fantastic. Just. A little bit of contact. Just watch Ken Birch. Just run into Ken Birch screens all, all, all summer long. Just like have him stand there to teach you what it what it should feel like from the other side or something like that. The Ken Birch school of uh, hitting dudes. Uh, <laughs> but that's all I think uh, we've got for today. Do you have anything you would like to add? Any parting shots, closing thoughts on Precious Achua, or are you good to uh, wrap up? And if you if so, just uh, share anything you want to plug for the people out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I have anything to to plug or to to share or to add on Precious. I think this is the shortest episode we've ever been able to do. Which oh yeah, is and I'm still over time. For us. But hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a tough time with it. So yeah, I just want to Precious. You let me pick Precious, and Precious is a blast to watch, a blast to talk about. So yeah, just thanks for letting me come on and kind of wax poetic with with you about uh, Mr. Achua because he is a an absolute delight. Of course, dude. It was a delight having you on, and we'll have you back on again soon, I'm sure. You can find me, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. Find the podcast every day on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. I'm begging you. I, I, good sympathy subscriptions. That's all I'm looking for now, baby. Uh, also, uh, you can find my blogs over at Raptors HQ. I will have, at some point in the coming days, a Pascal Siakam season review piece written, uh, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, I might write about one of the deep bench guys as well. We'll see what our editorial schedule was looking like either way thank you for tuning in as always we'll be back again on friday we're going to talk about gary trent jr baby and sum up the season that was for uh my favorite gunner since terrence ross i truly truly adore watching thinking about gary trent jr and we will get into that on friday for sure till then thank you for tuning in go make sure you listen to locked on leafs today as they are teeing up game six leafs and lightning on thursday night that's a big one. They're doing a great job covering the whole series over there on that show, so go support them. And we'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. 
your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 